Amen. Well, today I, I want to share with you a personal message on this beautiful Resurrection Sunday. The truth of Jesus' resurrection was no doubt the greatest message ever delivered to the world. Yet while God delivers this message to the world, it is also a very personal message that He intentionally plants into individual hearts and minds. It is this personal message from the heart of God into each of our hearts that makes the resurrection so incredibly amazing and truly life-changing. I'm going to begin in Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices, that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said amongst themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. You see, the greatest event in history had just happened. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for our sins. And now he had risen for the world that he loved. But God does more than just express a message for the entire world. Right here, the angel of the Lord makes it clear that Jesus is also delivering a most personal message to Peter. Why Peter? Well, I believe that Peter was not only in need of restoration himself, but I also believe that Peter is indicative of many people, possibly even you. And if you could relate to Peter as we examine the events that led up to this moment... I believe the resurrection will be the greatest personal message you have ever received, as well as what God would desire you to know so that you could personally know Him and receive Him this day. Therefore, let's go back to a time when the disciples were struggling to guide their boat on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a ferocious storm. We pick it up at Matthew 14, verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Why was it that Peter was the only one who answered Jesus? Why was he bold enough to speak to Jesus? Have you ever considered the same about yourself? Of all the friends and family members you have, what has caused you to be bold enough to respond to God? Surely there are many people that you know that are not connected to a church right now. There are many people who are not watching a church service today or listening to it. And possibly there are many people that are not even in a place to be open to hearing from God. But here you are, 
There is something about Jesus that has drawn you to Him. Something that has caused you to respond to His message. What is it? Matthew 14, verses 29 and 30. So He said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. You know, there are many who are quick to state that the point of the story is that Peter began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. Yet there is no debating one other fact. Peter was the only one of the disciples who had enough faith to get out of the boat and begin walking on the water. He wasn't paralyzed by what everyone else was thinking or by what everyone else was doing. He wanted to experience Jesus for himself. Isn't that precisely why you are tuning in and listening today? Isn't that exactly why you are at this exact place in your life right now? Because you want to experience Jesus for yourself? You too were willing to get out of the boat and allow Jesus to speak to you, directly to you today. Matthew 14, verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched out His hand and caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Jesus stretched out His hand and caught Peter, which means that Peter was right there, was almost all the way there. He just had a little more ways to go. And yet, just like Peter, there are times that you doubt yourself and your faith. Unfortunately, we are all like this occasionally, seeming to take one step forward and then two steps back. If Peter only had a little more faith, he would have made it all the way to Jesus. If we only had a little more faith, we wouldn't just start the things of God, we would finish the things of God. If only... Unfortunately, this is a place that we find ourselves a little too often, unfortunately. Well, then there was another time when Peter's faith was really encouraged. Jesus began asking His disciples who people were saying that He was. Everyone was saying that who, who they thought Jesus was. And so Jesus wanted to know, what are people saying? Who do they think I am? And then He turned to Peter. Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. For those of you who have come to a personal relationship with Jesus, you have found this statement to be true. No matter what anyone else has said to you, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is your Lord and your Savior. And some of you are being pulled right now to go deeper with God. These very words that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, they resonate within your heart. And just like Peter, this is more than a brave statement that you make. It is a personal revelation from God directly to you. Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What an encouragement this must have been to Peter to know that God was speaking directly to him and Peter was clearly hearing him. For the truth is that the reason why any of us are here today, 
at the, and at the place in our lives where we are open to God. It's not because of us. It's because God has drawn us to Himself and personally revealed Himself to us. 1 Corinthians 12.13 No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see, by the Holy Spirit, Peter makes this declaration that many today have made that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus continues. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus tells Peter that it is on the rock of his confession, the statement that he just made, that Jesus is Lord, that God will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Once again, Peter serves as an example for us, for anyone who is willing to confess Jesus as our Lord. It is this same rock of our confession as well that the church is built upon. It is what unites the entire body of Christ, regardless of denomination, the rock of our confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. You've got to admit, Peter must have been really pumped up by this word of encouragement from Jesus. The Holy Spirit revealed this truth to Peter and he spoke it forth boldly indeed. And even though the enemy will take his best swings at all of us, he will never be able to prevail against the church whose rock of our confession is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yet as close as Peter was to Jesus, he still was led by his pride more than his faith at times. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. What lessons we learn from this exchange between Jesus and Peter. Understanding also that since we too are like Peter, God offers the same promise to us when we fail and when we fall, because we all do. As many times that Satan has tried to sift you, or derail you, or utterly tried to break you, you must know that Jesus intercedes on your behalf and prays for you. We see it in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. You see, Jesus' work did not end when He went to the cross and died and rose again and then ascended into heaven. Right now, at this very moment, Jesus prays that our faith will not fail. He prays that your faith will not fail. He knows that we will fall, but He prays that we will return to Him. What should this tell us? Well, it tells us that no matter what we do, no matter how bad we mess up, no matter how many times we have stumbled, God not only expects us to return to Him, He welcomes us back with arms open wide when we repent and come back to Him. Whatever you have done, whatever you have thought, whatever you have said, God is still calling you to return to Him. His arms are open wide. Not just to receive your apology, but to receive your heart. Even before 
Peter blatantly sinned before the Lord, Jesus told him he would return to him. And when he did, Jesus would strengthen him so he could strengthen his brothers in return. Yet Peter became too confident in his own faith and his own efforts. We see it in Luke 22, verse 33. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you know me. Being in the very presence of Jesus Himself, Peter knew he loved the Lord and he was sure that he would be able to do anything that was required of him, much like we tell ourselves. As much as Peter was sure that he would remain strong in the face of his trials, Jesus told him he would deny him not once, but three times that very day. And later that evening, shortly after the Last Supper, Jesus was surrounded by a detachment of guards who came to arrest Him. They came and laid hands on Him and began to take Him away. We pick it up in John 18, verse 10. And then Simon, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Here was Peter, just like he said, defending the Lord just as he said he would. Matthew 26, 52. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? What was going on here? Peter and the others were so confused. Peter was willing to take on the whole army and yet Jesus rebuked him for his actions. How often do you find yourself in Peter's shoes? Ready to fight back any sign of struggle or any sign of suffering and yet God has a greater purpose in allowing the suffering. Like all of us, Peter would soon realize it takes far greater strength to restrain and trust God in the midst of our suffering and tribulation than it does to just fight back for all you're worth. Zechariah 4.6 tells us, It's not by might nor by power, but by My Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, the strength that it requires to follow in the steps of Jesus does not rely upon our own might or our own power, but rather this strength comes from yielding and submitting to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Luke 22.54 Having arrested Jesus, they led Him and brought Him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. I will tell you that all it takes is confusion and unmet expectations to cause a little separation between us and Jesus. Peter, who had spent so much time at Jesus' side, was now following at a distance. It is this distance, this separation, that allows doubt to gain a foothold in us. It prepares a table setting for fear to come join us. And it invites temptation to draw ever nearer to our hearts and minds. Even when we think we're still following Jesus, if we have let that distance between us increase, we open ourselves up for sin and destruction. Luke 22, verse 55. Now when the people had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. It's here where things really begin to unravel for Peter, for the fire wasn't the only thing that kindled in this time of separation. 
fear was kindled as it grew stronger and stronger inside of Peter and it started to overtake his faith and his confidence. Verse 56, And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also is with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. How could Peter do this? How could he deny the very one who had taught him and strengthened him and encouraged him? How could Peter deny Jesus if he had already declared that Jesus was the Christ? I don't know. Probably the same way that we deny Jesus every time that we willfully sin. Every time that we give in to temptation instead of trusting Jesus in our time of weakness. Every time we appease the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, and the pride of life, we too deny Jesus. It's a thought that many don't like to admit or ponder over, but it is the truth. Even after walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus, we too have denied Him. Consider that for a moment, as Peter did the same, especially when the Lord direct, looked directly at him. Luke 22, verse 62. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter experienced a bitter sorrow knowing that he had not only failed himself, but he had failed the one who he said he was, would, would, would stand through it all. He had failed the one who was willing to die for him. This response by Peter is the beginning of repentance. Responding to the conviction of our hearts without excuses or justification. Just sorrow and admittance of guilt. And Jesus let him feel that pain for a little while. A few hours later, after being whipped and beaten, mercilessly mocked and spit upon, and having a crown of thorns pressed into his head, Jesus was nailed to the cross to be crucified for our sins. He willingly went to the cross knowing that the very people he would die for would still deny him countless times. How do we make sense of that? Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates His own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Three days later, while Peter and the rest of the disciples were holed up in a room lamenting what had happened, the women came upon the tomb. They see the angel who proclaims that Jesus has risen indeed. And now we come back to the beginning of our message where this angel makes this definitive command. Mark 16, verse 7. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. See, Jesus knew that Peter's heart was broken, the same way that we all feel when we have been convicted of our sins. And though Jesus had just precious moments before he would ascend into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he thought of Peter. In fact, he thought of you. He had already defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now the most important thing on his mind was to restore you. The message that he had for Peter is the same message of restoration that he has for you. 
Luke 24, verse 9. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who also told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. You see, without the conviction of their soul, without the bitter sorrow of repentance, without the acknowledgement that they needed a Savior and longed for His glorious return, these were just stories and idle tales. But for one who felt that pain of separation, for one who sinned and was convicted, for one who wept bitterly, this was not an idle tale, but a personal message to a heart that was ready to receive the resurrection of Jesus in all its fullness. Luke 24, verse 12. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Peter arose and ran to see for himself. If you have identified with Peter, if you have experienced this pain of separation, this hole in your heart that no one else can fill except for Jesus, then isn't it time that you arise and run to Jesus? The tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is risen indeed. And He is waiting for you with His arms open wide. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your message of hope, of deliverance. We thank You that the tomb is empty, that You defeated death and hell and the grave. We thank You, Jesus. We ask that You would draw our hearts to You and forge that relationship, build that relationship, strengthen that relationship, that nothing can separate us. We thank You for the Holy Spirit to bind us all together as we lean on You and depend on You as we go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.